Well, amen. Thanks, worship team. Morning, Bear Valley Church. Morning. This is a little different, but it's exciting. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Zach, and I am the music guy here at Bear Valley Church. And uh, so I didn't do any music. It was actually, it was actually really, really nice and um, really, really sweet songs um, that Caleb chose, uh, just, um, and even Psalm 19 earlier, I, uh, me and Caleb Bosler didn't talk, but that's my favorite psalm. And it's about the Word of God and, you know, Revelation, like, greatest setup I'm ready to go. Um, I've never really done this, really quite like this, and I'm pumped. Um, We'll be in 2 Corinthians today, taking a quick break from Galatians, Um, and uh, I really believe uh, God has something clarifying, helpful for us today in 2 Corinthians. Um, If you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, stand in the honor of the reading of God's word, uh, we will get into it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. And while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life." He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So Whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Would you pray with me? Lord, uh, what a rich passage. Uh, We pray that you would open our minds and hearts to understand, really receive what you have for us uh, here today in your a perfect word. Um, even as Psalm 19 earlier, Lord, this, this word and every other part of your word is, is true, it's sure, it's righteous altogether, it's, it's all of these things, and it has the power to change our lives. Lord, so we ask that you would do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And you may be seated. Second Corinthians. Um, Several visits, several visits and letters back and forth 
between Paul and the church at Corinth. Um, and scholars aren't even totally sure how many, how many times Paul visited, how many letters were sent back and forth. Uh, but what we do know is that First and Second Corinthians, regarding this church, these are the letters God wanted us to have, and they're awesome. Um, in this letter, um, Paul has to defend his apostleship against uh, false teachers that were coming into that church. Um, he presents amazing, uh, you know, practical truths about Christian living. Um, there's rich theology in this letter. Uh, there's also just uh, simple, pure gospel um, in this letter. And he wrote it uh, to the church at Corinth. Corinth, as a city, was a big city, a prosperous city, but a very filthy city. And uh, has anyone like me come from a big city? Can anyone attest? Big cities are filthy, okay? Uh, with few exceptions. Uh, and... Corinth was known for it, particularly known for it, probably particularly proud of it, um, thriving on uh, the slave trade, thriving on immorality. Um, and right in the middle, I don't know exactly where in the city, but in the city of Corinth, we have a church of brand new believers. And this church was fraught with difficulties. They, they had a lot of difficulties. It's probably the messiest church that Paul um, dealt with in, in his, uh, uh, all the churches he was involved with. But he loved this church. Um, and they needed instruction on everything. They needed instruction on simple gospel, on big picture stuff they weren't getting, on just practical day-to-day -day stuff on how to think, how to, like, they needed every kind of teaching, which is perfect. So do I. Uh, so um, let's get into it. Today, Paul is going to show us how to have courage while we groan in this temporary dwelling. Um, is anyone here at church today facing anything? Does anyone need courage. I do. So let's go. Um, we're gonna, I'm just going to blast through verses 1 through 5 really, really quickly, and we're going to spend the bulk of our time in 6 through 10. Uh, so 1 through 5, I want to draw our attention to um, three things uh, mainly. First one is this temporary tent. That's our bodies. He's referring to our physical, mortal bodies down here on earth. Um, right? Tents were everywhere in uh, biblical times. Uh, Paul was a tent maker. Um, who, who likes camping? Who likes camping? Yeah? You into camping? Um, yeah. Some of you couldn't, like, put your hands low enough. Like, I don't <laughs> like camping camping. Um, yeah, how, how would you like to uh, go camping forever? Yeah, no, that's homelessness. 
Um, yeah. No thanks. No thanks. We understand that tents are a temporary nature. They're, they're fragile. They're not, it's not meant to be forever. In contrast, uh, in this first section, Paul gives us the permanent building. Looking ahead to after death, we will get brand new resurrection bodies. Eternal, immortal, and not fraught with all these difficulties and limitations and sicknesses and everything else. Um, man, it'll be awesome. Uh, the last thing I want to point out in this first section is the word groan. We're groan. He says it, uh, I think, two, two three times. Uh, groan also could be translated sighing, right? But this, this uh, idea of these, this frustration, oh, we're not there yet. I'm not made complete yet. I'm not done with the difficulties and sins of this world yet and the limitations of this mortal body. Um, church, I don't know what all of you are, are facing, um, but some things can be so hard in this life as to cause you to want to quit. Um, don't quit. We need courage. Courage. And that's what we're looking at today. How can we have courage? My first point for us today as we head into verses 6 and 7, uh, we have courage now, number one, because of what's coming later. Verse 6. So, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. He says good courage. This good courage is confidence. I'm sure uh, it's confidence. And this confidence, this courage, is always available. He says always. He wouldn't have said always if we couldn't always have access to this courage um, he purchased us for it by his blood. Uh, we can have courage, um, but it has to do with our thinking, our focus, um, and what we do in this life. So he says it's always available. Then he says home and away. Home, he's referring back to verses 1 through 5. Home is this temporary tent, this frail dwelling, right? Um, and so Away, away is with the Lord in heaven, complete resurrection body, finished with this life and joyfully serving him. Uh, and it makes sense, right? I, I love how he says it. It's just good sense. Uh, well, while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We can't be both places at once. There's, there's a difference. There is a difference between here, now, and then. Um, but you might think to yourself, well, hang on, Paul. I'm, I'm home in the body, um, but I'm not away from the Lord. He's here with me now. Like that's, and it, it, in a sense, that's true. Uh, it is true. If you have trusted in Christ with your life, your sins have been forgiven, you have fellowship with God now. That is true. Uh, 
You hear from God straight through his word as you read it. You get to pray to him. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Yes. But one day we will be made complete. And this knowledge of God, this fellowship with God, will be full, permanent, intimate, um, unbroken, unhindered, um, unimpeded by anything. And the sweetness of knowing God will be full. Our deepest longings for God will be fulfilled when you're with him one day. Then he says, walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. This idea of walking, right, the course of life, every day, daily living, what you do in this life um, is this analogy of walking. And he says it's by faith. Um, This is related to what Pastor Kevin, what we've been going through in Galatians 5. Um, It's related to walking by the Spirit. It's by faith. Everything in life is by faith, not depending primarily on sight, right? So this faith is, it's full trust, it's reliance on Him. Sight. Um, What can you tell me about what we see? We depend on our eyes. What are we seeing? Um, We're seeing temporary things. Temporary things. We we see people, people's souls, people will last forever um, in heaven or in hell. Uh, really, the, the word of God will last forever. Not many other, th- it, we're looking at temporary things. So if we rely on sight to live, um, we're going to be living for temporal things, things that really aren't going to last. And um, the unseen uh, spiritual realities, realities like I'm saved, realities like I'm going to heaven one day. These should be the things that we draw courage from. Not, you know, my house is falling apart. I got to patch that again. Like those are temporary. Uh, not that those things are completely unimportant, but we draw courage from unseen spiritualities, from God's promises. And th- those things should give pep to our step, right? Uh, Wind in our sails, so to speak. Um, The writer of Hebrews says it this way, faith is, what is it? Tell me. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So uh, back to our passage, not by sight. I can't rely on what I see, and I do it too much. Um, If I'm to live day by day uh, following the Lord, it can't be primarily, it can't be by sight. And if I do, when I do, and I rely on my sight too much, um, I get scared, uh, to be honest. I get, uh, I really get nervous, right? My uh, mature, prayerful concern about the issues of today can quickly just turn into fear. Um, On a big scale, I see headlines about uh, the controlling whims of the global elites, food supply issues, global economic issues, wars, rumors of wars, trafficking, depopulation, propaganda, 
and bad actors using AI to fuel all of that. Uh, then you throw in big tech, big government, big pharma, and big media, and my small faith and my small mind just cower in fear, right? If I let myself go uh, that way. And so you might say, okay, but hey, hang on, hang on, dude. Keep things local. Keep, things, keep your concerns. Okay, how about uh, Tehachapi schools? What will they be like next year? Uh, how about five years from now, ten years from now, what will our schools be like? How about my four kids that are uh, in uh, classrooms right now? Will they be walking with the Lord when they're 30? Uh, maybe for you, yeah, kids, it could be uh, your grandkids, um, deep concern. How can we head into the future with confidence? How, what is Paul talking about? How do we get this? Point number two, we have courage now because later is better. Verse eight, yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Um, he repeats himself. He says, hey, courage, yes, later is better. Um, and then he talks about our greatest desire. This should be our greatest desire in this life is Christ himself. I long to be at home with him. Life can be long and difficult, um, but if we look to the future um, and see Christ on the other side of it, on the other side of life, man, we can have confidence. Uh, Christ is our reward, right? We're just saying that. Uh, we would rather be away because we will be at home with the Lord, he says. Um, church, this is, it's greater than you can imagine. We don't have time today to go into um, the Bible's descriptions of the future kingdom. Uh, all that heaven is going to be. But I promise, I promise you, you won't be sitting on a cloud, bored out of your mind, playing a stupid little harp. Okay? I promise it's going to be better than... Sorry if you love harp. Uh, but uh, I promise... The overwhelming focus in Scripture of heaven, of the kingdom, is Jesus himself is there. That's why it's great. Please turn uh, to Philippians 1. Um, while you're turning there, uh, Philippians chapter 1... I want to make a pitch for home group Bible studies, okay? If you're not involved here at Bear Valley Church in a home group Bible study, you probably want to get plugged into one um, soon. Uh, we are going, all the home groups right now are going through a study on the book of Philippians, and it's awesome. Like, I am digging it. It's so good. Um, and, but even just from a, from a standpoint of what it's like to be in local church body life, uh, you're getting more involved in each other's lives. You get to pray for one another. Um, you get to know the Bible better. And um, you only have to remember a few names. It's like, 
really not. There's a lot of names here this morning, and I'm sorry if I don't know yours yet, or still. Uh, if, you, if, if you don't know which home group to get involved in, just come to mine on Tuesday nights. I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm absolutely serious. Um, there's no room, but come anyway. Uh, we'll put you in the kitchen. You can, kinda, you can see over the counter. We'll just talk loud from the living room. I'm serious. Okay. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Look for the parallels and what we were just talking about. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Uh, do you, you see it all? Right? Life here, life here, uh, home in the body, is about Christ. Knowing Him, yeah. But death is gain. Life here in the body is fruitful labor. Man, but I want to go. I want to go. It's way better. Uh, but for now, life down here is it's where I need to stay. It's where he has me. There's work to be done. Um, and I need to be fruitful until he decides I get to go. Okay, so I have courage. Later is better. and It's going to happen. So we've said uh, we have courage now, um, point one, because of what's coming later, and point two, because later is better. Um, now, this is so important. Um, this is at the height of what I, I want us to get today. We have courage now, point three, to please him until the Christian judgment. Verse 9, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. He says our aim is to please him. Our aim, it's our, our one our greatest goal, our constraining purpose in life. Um, some translations will say ambition. It's our ambition. Um, and it's in the legitimate, like the good sense of ambition. Uh, that Greek word um, is, is uh, loving what is noble or honorable. Okay? This is our deepest motive. Our highest goal in life is to please Christ. It's to make our lives about him, order our lives around his priorities. And he says it doesn't matter whether it's now or later, whether he comes back before I die, I'm raptured, or whether, I, whether I'm dead or alive, doesn't matter, he says, whether we're at home or away, doesn't matter. That's our aim. It's our, our, our aim is to please him. Uh, this idea of uh, please him, uh, is get the picture of a slave whose whole life revolves around gladly serving his master. Man, that's what I'm about. I'm like obsessed. It's like, 
It's my joyful privilege to serve the King of Kings. And notice, too, the, the logic. It's just great. He says, uh, he says, therefore, right? Therefore, or so, so, since I am saved, I'm bought by his blood, since he's prepared a place for me to go uh, be with him someday, and since my whole life is headed straight toward meeting him one day, I'm just going to like pass the time and kind of do whatever I want. I'm, I'm going to, uh, how about I'll, I'll take on like three new hobbies. Just, I don't know, just three new hobbies, you know, just my whole life is headed towards meeting him, but I don't know, I'll just like kick it around and kind of do whatever I want until he comes back. That'll be the good time, you know, like, but down here, just whatever, doesn't matter. No, no, <laughs> there's a logical connection here. Um, my thrilling priorities uh, should be around, centered around him, my relationship with him. My, you know, you can find Christ, hopefully. I pray that you would find Christ in every item on my to-do list, right? Uh, careful of lists, so Galatians, okay. All right, but uh, church, I want you to consider how will you order and reorder your life around God's priorities for you. Um, I don't know what that looks like. I, pray. Uh, consider walk in the Spirit. He'll guide you into what that looks like in your particular life. Um, it could be thousands of things. Um, it could be, I don't, yeah, uh, it could be getting involved, uh, more involved here. Uh, it could be like, waking up earlier to read your Bible. I, I don't know. Um, just consider carefully uh, changes, you know. Uh, maybe s- slow down to spend more time with your spouse. I don't know what it is for you. But press into this aim with me. It's my aim of life. Uh, press in. It's the greatest goal of our lives is to please and serve and worship Him with our lives. Um, I'd like to offer a clarification. This, uh, in our culture, this word "please," I, oh, I'm about I'm about pleasing um, pleasing my boss in order to get something in order that uh, he'll you know give me a promotion. I don't know. Uh, it it can be kind of tainted this word for us. And I want to offer a clarification. Pleasing God now is not about earning a spot in heaven. Most of you realize that. I just, it's really, it always bears repeating. Pleasing Him is because His love first transformed us, rearranged our hearts. Now it's my joy, it's my purpose to serve Him, love Him, please Him. Now, the judgment seat of Christ says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Uh, Paul says, We. He's talking about believers in Christ. So this is a judgment 
for Christians. Hang with me. We'll come back to that. Uh, He says we. We as believers in Christ. He's talking to the Corinthian church. He's talking about, he includes himself in there. He says, appear before. We must appear before. Um, This idea of manifest, revealed, um, made clear, made visible. Um, And the real heart of every believer will be revealed and tested on this day. He also says we must, we must all appear, right? That's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And he says we must all appear. Every single one of us, if you are a believer, you will be there. Now, the judgment seat of Christ. I said this is a, and we're about to, we're about to get there, this is a judgment for Christians. Let me tell you what this is not. This judgment seat of Christ that is being talked about here is not in reference to sin. This will not be a judgment to deal with your sin because our sin's been paid for in full. It's done. It's finished. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And he won't dig up the past again. Okay, then what is it? What is this? This is a judgment for Christians only. And he says, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Um, It's in reference to our works. This is a judgment for Christians that will reveal and test and appropriately reward our works that were done while we were on earth in these bodies. The word here is the word uh, in Greek, the word bima, uh, in reference to this judgment seat. Um, and so bi- Bible scholars, talk, they, they refer to this as the bima seat judgment. And it happens in terms of timeline. Um, It's going to happen, uh, scholars think, before. It's before the great judgment, the great white throne judgment, which we'll talk about later. Um, But this is a different event, and it's for believers. It's not to be confused with that later final judgment where everyone will be there, believers, unbelievers uh, will be there. Um, during New Testament times, uh, this word bima that he uses, uh, the readers would have known what he's talking about. It was in a lot of uh, you know, cities is, uh, is this elevated platform, usually with like steps leading up to it. It's an elevated platform um, where people would receive rewards, uh, prizes awarded for athletic competitions, um, public proclamations were sometimes made from this stand. Maybe it would be in the, in the city square. It was probably different places. Um, and uh, actually, the, the ruins of the Corinthian Bema platform are, are still there. Um, kind of cool. And um, uh, in Greek games, uh, the, the umpire or the referee would sit on a seat 
uh, the Bema seat on this platform and uh, would reward contestants for you know, how, you, how you ran the race or whatever. Um, so let's talk about rewards. Um, it says, uh, each person will receive what is due. Um, this is the idea of awarded uh, or compensated. And let me say this, church, our God does everything perfectly, right? So we think about final judgments and we get like, I do, I, I get like uneasy, like, oh, is it going to be fair? You know, is it going to be... Like, our God does everything perfectly. Every reward, everything will be measured out perfectly. Um, you might have a counter-argument in your mind. You go, uh, and I, 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 can, I can see this. Um, well, I, I'm seeking to be humble, right? Seeking to be humble. I, I'm not in it for the rewards, I'm not, I, that's not why I'm here. That's not, I'm not all about the rewards, you know. I'll just be happy to be with my Savior someday. Okay? Uh, or uh, it's, it's crazy to want to be the best Christian. That's, I'm not, that's not me. I'm not going to be like the best Christian. Uh, that's someone else. Um, church, would you, uh, would you rather be the worst Christian? Um. Does God get more glory from um, a wimpy follower or from a spirit-led, effective follower? Your life matters right now. And there's, we can draw courage from that. Your life matters now. Your life will matter then. Today matters right now. Um, other passages talk about crowns, crowns that he will um, award. Uh, it's these, that Greek word is the idea of like those, picture the Greek games, right? Those like those laurel wreaths. It's not like a kingly crown, but uh, picture that, right? And then it says, Revelation, we get to throw those crowns at his feet. Are you going to have crowns to throw at his feet? Um, then it says, it's going to be for deeds that were done in the body. We have one life. This is it. Life down here matters. Life down here is to bring him glory. And it will be uh, dealt with then. Then he says this interesting phrase. I want to talk about this for a moment. Um, he says, whether good or evil. Uh, this word here in the Greek for evil uh, in the ESV is over-translated um, because the, the word here for, for bad does not indicate moral evil. Um, in the Greek, it's this word, the, that word for bad is useless, worthless, um, and then two, two different commentators I read said, good for nothing. Good for nothing works. Um, in 1 Corinthians 3, we don't have time to go there, but those are works that are going to burn, as if they were wood, hay, or stubble. Um, and as those works burn away, 
for us. They're, co- they're covered by the blood. They're covered by the blood. Um, some of us philosophize a little too much. I, I've done it. I've done it. We philosophize too much, and we go, oh, yeah. One day, there's going to be this, like, this giant movie screen is going to be stretched out for all to see, and every secret sin that you've ever done is going to be like projected on the scene. It's going to be like, oh man, it's going to be a reckoning. It's going to be real rough. And after all that humiliation, Jesus is going to say, it's okay, it's covered. I want to tell you, no, that is not true. Um, It's not true. Praise the Lord. Uh, If you've trusted Christ, your sins are forgiven, forgotten, removed, nailed to the cross once for all. He said it's finished. It's finished. Won't be dragged up again. However, we want there to be something left after our works are tested. Also, 1 Corinthians 3 says that some will suffer loss in the sense that the rewards that they would have had, that could have been theirs, they're, they're lost. They're lost. Um, and that these Christians will be saved, of course, the Christians, but only as through fire is the phrase that it uses there, which kind of suggests like, like a narrow escape from the flames. There, there wasn't much there, you know. Um, it also says, 1 John 2.28 also says that some will be ashamed at his coming. Church, let that not be us. Let that not be us. It says that our, uh, also 1 Corinthians 3, and we're referencing it a lot, don't have time to go there, but that same passage says that the works that last will be uh, as gold, silver, and precious stones, right? Works that were done for the king, out of a love for him, right? A proper motivation uh, to... Uh, please him, right? As we were just saying, church, our lives matter right now. And that shouldn't inspire, right? This future Bema seat judgment shouldn't inspire fear. Yikes, ah, fear. It should inspire courage. Your lives matter now. What you do today matters now. This is, we can draw a lot of courage from that. Your life ultimately matters, ultimately matters. Um, Take courage and purpose from it. Um, so I would encourage you, as you go about your day, consider, hey, this thing that I'm about to do, uh, is it worthless? Is this, is this something that's going to burn away? Is this, does this matter for the kingdom? Uh, does this matter for the Lord? Um, but maybe you're here this morning and you're not even sure that your sins have been dealt with. Maybe you wonder if you'll even make it to that judgment. There is another judgment seat. Jesus Christ, the great judge, will judge every person in what's called the great white throne judgment. Please turn to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 11, says, 
Apostle John speaking. Then I saw a great white throne. And him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. <clears throat> then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Um, you want your name written in the book. You need your sins forgiven. You need to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And so uh, if you're here this morning and, and that, just that thought just causes fear, turn away from doing life your own way. Repent, turn away and give your life to Christ. He will forgive your sins. Ask him for forgiveness and he'll forgive all of your sins. Past, present, future, one and done. And that's it. You'll have eternal life. I want to end with this uh, this morning. Uh, our passage in 2 Corinthians doesn't talk about this specifically. But um, I thought it important to say, the enemy doesn't want you thinking about these things. They're too clarifying. They make the Christian life too blessedly simple. Um, I overcomplicate life. I'm just like, oh man, there's so much going on. I'm so confused. I'm, ah, you know, drama or whatever. Um, the enemy doesn't want you to think. In fact, the enemy wants you to think about anything other than stuff like this. Um, he doesn't want you to long to be with the Lord away. I, I want to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. He doesn't want you to set your heart on that. And he certainly doesn't want you to be laser focused on making your lives about pleasing him. No way. His plan is to keep you distracted. And any distraction will do. Fill it, I mean... You could list a billion distractions. Um, consider what they are in your lives. Um, we all have distractions. Um, and it may mean less of this or that. It may mean cutting something out of your schedule uh, completely. But church, um, stay awake and stay focused on Him. Um, so we've said that uh, we have courage um, because of what's coming later. We've said that we have courage because later is better. And we've said that we have courage because uh, we, we have courage to, lost it, please him until the Christian judgment, is how I said it in my notes. But um, 
listen, this, it's, so, it's so important for us, church. Consider. Consider your lives. Consider your schedule. Um, I have three things as we close. Three things for us. Um, hopefully, at least uh, to take away. Church, have courage. Take courage. Uh, real, true courage. Not like a, um, you know, oh, put on a fake smile. <laughs> like, yeah, have courage, you know. It's real because it's rooted in the truth, God's truth. And this courage is accessible. It's available um, if we would just draw on it. Number two, long for heaven. Uh, few things cut out distractions, right? Like a focus on being with my Savior one day. And then number three, live to please him. Live to please him. Center and then recenter and then recenter. And when you get off track again, uh, right, don't beat yourself up about it. Oh, Lord, I'm the worst Christian I've ever heard of. There's certainly going to be, it's all going to burn. You know, uh, is, is repent, just turn away quickly. Like you belong to him. You belong to him. And he wants you back. And he doesn't want you wallowing in that. And so center, recenter, refocus, repent. Oh, Lord, sorry. What was I thinking? I've been, I've been off track. Uh, Lord, thank you for taking me back because of your son. And uh, I'm back. I want to serve you. I want to please you. Hope you find this encouraging today. I loved it. I loved it. It was amazing um, studying this passage to get ready for today. Uh, let's pray. Father, you are good and kind. We can't wait to be with you. Thank you for the clarity, the power of your word. Uh, it's awesome. Thank you so much for my church family here today, for their patience and attention and listening. God, I pray that you would uh, change us, refine us, uh, make us more like you. Uh, in the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.